Man, it's great to be here with you uh, on this Memorial Day weekend and great to be celebrating with you. This past week, uh, I had a chance to be out in Phoenix, Arizona for the week doing some training. We had some of our uh, larger sized churches, churches like the 500 to 1,000 range of harvest that we rallied together and did some teaching out there with them. And so there were three of us that were helping shape some of that. And so just a great opportunity to kind of meet some of the other guys and wrestle with some of what they're wrestling with and help train on that. And uh, all right, I had the weirdest plane experience I've ever had in my life, okay? And so we're, we're standing in uh, O'Hare Airport getting ready to fly out to Phoenix, and uh, I have group four ticket. You know what that means. Like, just wait forever, right? Everybody will take all the luggage spots. It means that, right? So I'm holding the group four ticket, and I'm hanging on, and all of a sudden, all I hear behind me is, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and then I get decked. I mean, I just, bam, I'm knocked out of the way. And I turn and I look over and close to the largest woman I've ever met in my life, she had to be like 6'4". She was carrying some serious size. She had a bag with her the size of me. (laughs) And this is her carry-on, man, right? And so she's carrying this thing and she's moving through, excuse me, and she's flinging that bad boy and it's taking people out. Boom. But I haven't told you that She's got two or three other bags in her other hands. I thought you were only supposed to have two carry-ons, right? So she's got these two or three other bags in the other hands. Excuse me, excuse me, those bad boys are flying. And a child. (laughs) Yes, she is loaded up, man. Now I didn't tell you the best part. All her hands and arms are full, right? So she put the ticket in her lips. So she's really saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. As she gets to the front, she gets all the way to the front right before she's supposed to go in, and the line is all backed up because people are all the way in the airplane. They're putting stuff up. So she's standing there, and she's like, mm, mm. She starts, she's like having a temper tantrum right in front of me. I'm watching her melt. Mm. She says to the guy in front of her, drink the dude, drink the dude. And you see the guy go like this. Right? What? She says, drink the dude. No kidding now. He goes like this. I'm sorry, I can't understand. He starts leaning over. I can't understand you. You have a ticket in your mouth. I can't understand you, right? She goes, drink a kid. And he goes, I'm not kidding, man. I'm watching this whole thing. I'm like, I should have had my camera on. He reaches out. You can tell it's like, this is wrong. He takes the ticket out. He goes, what? She says, Take the kid! Now, I take the ticket I get, right? Take my flesh and blood, right? He's like, um, no kidding. Back into her mouth, man. Takes the kid. And you can tell he's not a dad at all. He's like, I don't know what I do with it. I don't know how to handle this. And then she goes, go, go. He's like, on the plane? And there's like four of us standing behind. We're like the only ones left in group four. And we're like, I am so happy I got group four ticket. This is awesome, right? And he starts walking on the plane. And now the stewardess sees them and there's a guy and, and he's holding a child and clearly from the lady, and so they must be together. 
And, and so they're like, do you guys have seats together? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. No, I do not. And, and it, seriously, she goes, go, go. And he's like, on the plane? So he's walking all the way down the plane. And now she's walking down with her body bag, just smacking the snot out of every single person sitting there. Bam, bam. And I'm watching facial expressions as every one of them is getting, whoo, you know, doing this. And they're looking like, what kind of couple is that? What in the world? You know, why didn't he take the heavy bag and give her the kid? What in the world? Right? And he gets to his seat and you can see he's like, this is my seat and it's over. Take your child, right? Ends up handing her the kid and she ends up getting some bag didn't fit. She had to come back up and shove it in some other place. There's a whole nother story about how she got that bag out. Just hilarious. But um, you know what? What's the point? I don't know if there's a point to it. I just want to tell you the story. But uh, let's twist it and make a point out of it. Hey, you know, there's a lot of times where people look and uh, you might be married. Can people tell you're married? And uh, when God looks in and upon this, is the right thing happening in the relationship to model and reflect what's going on? And uh, we're in the middle of a marriage series here. And uh, this is our second week. And as we dive in, man, we're getting real on what it looks like to have a relationship that honors God. And uh, not the kind where you met 10 minutes ago and you're carrying the kid for them, and right? That's like a bizarre moment, and nobody gets that. And you should have seen how many people trying to figure out that relationship as they're walking by. And uh, is Christ honored and glorified in your marriage? Like, can people look in upon you married and see Christ at the center of it? That's what we're going to be looking at today as we launch. In fact, let's just throw up this first image here. And uh, do we have it? throw up the triangle. And uh, so this is where we're going over the next three weeks. We're talking about marriage and spiritual oneness. And so here's the three levels of oneness, all right? And it starts with the bottom, spiritual. Man, you must start with the spiritual. And off of an agreement of who Jesus Christ is and off of a relating to one another, you then build the relational. And then from the relational, you then build on top the physical celebration of oneness, all right? That's the three levels of marriage. Check this out now. The world just flips the triangle upside down. We'll kick the tires on the physical. We'll see how that goes. If it works, maybe we'll start a relationship up. If that's actually going well, who knows? Maybe we'll even try this thing where we have a spiritual experience together. That's the world's view, exactly the opposite. And we need to keep it this way. And uh, spiritual first, and let's make sure we know and understand that, and then move our way up. So today we're looking at spiritual oneness, all right? So do me a favor, just turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22, and we got ushers coming forward, and they've got Bibles in their hands. Uh, If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, they'll get one to you, all right? Ephesians 5, verse 22 is where we're going to start here, and uh, just keep your hand raised, they'll get a Bible to you. All right, so a few things that it's going to take to have spiritual oneness. Number one, recognize that God is a witness to your marriage as a covenant and a partnership. Recognize that God is a witness to your marriage as a covenant and a partnership. And uh, this is from Malachi 2, so just hang with me in Ephesians 5. Stay there. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. I wanted to get this set as the starting point, all right? So Malachi 2, it says, But you say... 
Why does he not? They're crying out to God for help and blessing. Why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Okay, let me just read that again. Uh, Because the Lord was witness. He was a witness. This is God's role in the marriage as we get married. Because he was witness to you of the wife of your youth that you have been faithless, though she is your, here's the top two words, companion and the wife by covenant. Companion and covenant. Marriage is something that happens before God to honor him and he is witness. And uh, everybody say, that's a big deal. I agree with you. That's a huge deal. And uh, it's just a, it's a massive celebration of what God is doing in our lives. And so that's Malachi 2. Here's another verse to throw away. That's 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Uh, still in point one. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And the scripture is pretty clear, man. Trust Christ as Savior. Find another who also trusts Christ as Savior. And the two become one. And you're making God number one in the home and you're celebrating who Christ is. And um, that's where we're supposed to walk. Well, I'm married and this isn't true. Now what? And uh, we'll talk a lot more about that in a number of weeks forward. But let me just say this. If you are in a marriage, you are in a marriage and it's time to make that work before God. Okay, and we'll work that out and we'll talk together. And if you need more assist on that, get a hold of pastorship. We'd love to talk some things through with you. All right. But the ideal, if you're planning for heading into marriage, for those who are in a dating mode, right, you're looking for someone who loves the Lord. They get what it means to have covenant relationship with God and they're willing to partner with you in that. All right. That's where we're at it. And uh, huge deal. And um, so. The first piece is simply this, recognize that God is your witness to a marriage covenant and partnership. And, um, you know, when I do weddings, I always close it this way. Uh, Right when you turn them around and you're about ready to announce them for the very first time, I'd like to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs., right? Right before that, I turn them around and they're facing the congregation and I say, look, here's the deal. You guys have been invited here today and it's a celebration And you're invited to be a part of the party, but it's more than that. You've heard them take vows before God, and you are witnesses. And we have responsibility to partner with them, to be praying for them, to come alongside of them and help them in these vows. Are you willing to be a part of that? And you always see faces going like this. Guess that's why I am here, right? And it is a big deal, and it is a big deal. And uh, to be a part of a marriage, whether it's partnering with someone else and praying for them as you see them working through their marriage, or you working through your own, I've taken these vows before God, and I have covenanted, and I will work with my God on this, all right? And a huge deal. So that's the first point. Just gets us started. Recognize that God is a witness to your marriage. Point number two, uh, See our marriage roles in light of Christ and the church. See our marriage roles in light of Christ and the church. We will live together with a spiritual oneness when we grasp Christ has a place in your marriage. And Lord, what are you calling me to? 
see our marriage roles in light of Christ in the church. So I'm just going to break this down into two sections, and because of the order of how Paul went here, we're going to start with wives, all right? And uh, I'd probably prefer to start with husbands and uh, start top down there, but Paul's walking through it, and he starts with wives, so here we go. Uh, Letter A, wives, biblically submit to your husbands. Biblically submit to your husbands. Now you know I wanted, why I wanted to start with husbands, right? The reality. Here's a word that is often misunderstood, gravely mistranslated, horribly misused, and, and really can train wreck the home. And so let's be very careful. Yes, we are called to submit. And uh, wives, that is a huge deal. Now let's walk through and make sure we understand what it means. So here we go. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So a couple of things we can notice here. Wives, it does say the word submit. That's in scripture, all right? It's huge. And uh, ladies, just say that's a big deal. I agree with you. Wives, submit to everybody else's husband. Is that what it says? Look what it says. Wives, submit to your own husband. All right? There's a responsibility going on here. It says, uh, with some purpose, as to the Lord. And uh, this is going to be a massive deal. We're going to talk through this a couple times over, but as to the Lord. That means it is not blind following of your husband no matter what he says, right? Baby, We're robbing a bank today. You and me. You're the point person. Here we go. All right, I have to submit. And uh, no, right? As to the Lord. And so there is a time where absolutely it's completely appropriate to say, I'm sorry, that's just not cool before God. Not doing that. It's not just preference. It's sin that you're calling me to. Huge deal. All right? And uh, as to the Lord, this is ultimately to worship your God. And you're following after him. Okay. So it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So a couple things I wrote down here. Ladies, when it comes to submission, uh, allow him to lead and protect in the home. uh, But at the same time, without losing your identity in the midst of this oneness. Guys, do you hear that statement? The job is not, we've become one. We've become me. Like that is not the plan. Is all of a sudden you've lost the value of this spouse and the role that she's to play. Remember, we looked at it last week in Genesis 2, that the partnering together was a helping and a completing that's going on. And it's not lose them in the midst of this. It's the partnership creates a new one. Guys, you are giving up some of you because some of you needs to be given up, right? And you're partnering with your spouse in this to get to a new one that's going to be phenomenal. Be careful we're not losing the identity of our spouse in that. And, and uh, I don't know, Tim, submission's pretty countercultural today. And uh, it's pretty uncool to even say the word. Uh, are you sure that maybe this just isn't cultural? All right, here's how you know if something in Scripture is cultural or it's mandated to go across culture. Here's how you know. When they give the reason why, is the reason theological Or is the reason practical? Like, is the reason in that moment given just a, hey, here's how it's rolling right now around here, so? 
or is it something theological is the reason why, all right? So let's listen well. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for, here we go, purpose statement, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Are you hearing the theological tie? She's, that's, there's a no answer there. Are you hearing the theological tie? Okay, that's a huge deal. When you see something in scripture and it's tied to theology as the reason that theology never shifts. I am the Lord your God, I change not, right? That's who Jesus Christ is in our life. And so he claims, here's who I am and I'm the head of the church. And because of that now, husband, you're supposed to model that headship into the home. We looked at it last week a little bit, but huge today. I'm just telling you the marriage is meant to model our relationship with Christ. You hearing that? The marriage is meant to model our relationship with Christ. All too often, we start thinking marriage, and we're like, the marriage, it's to make me happy. And look, I really hope that our marriages can get to a point of joy and celebration, but I'm telling you, that's not the main purpose. It's to glorify God and to make sure we grasp what it is that he's head of the church so we also see a structure within the marriage and we build relationally together, okay? It's a huge deal, all right? So um, simple statement, don't kid yourself. If you're trying to avoid the human leadership that God's placed into your lives, you are rebelling against God at some level, okay? Don't kid yourselves on that. Let's be real careful with it. And uh, notice my tone of voice as I'm being very cautious in how I'm saying that. Let's be careful here to follow what God's calling us to, all right? So what does it really look like? Most times, I'm just going to tell you, I either see submission completely train wrecked where it's not done at all, or it's completely train wrecked because it's become blind obedience with absolutely no mind. Shut them down. And it's neither of those. Okay, so here's what it looks like in the middle. Let's just walk it through a little bit. First of all, in order to be able to biblically submit, we need to be able to have a relationship with our God. So just be practically building your relationship with your king, worshiping him through time in the word, time in prayer, time alone with your God as you're nurturing a relationship with God, all right? If that's not happening, I'm telling you the next steps are gonna be much more difficult. So uh, that's a huge piece. Just be nurturing that. Openly and prayerfully discussing things with your spouse. That's a second piece. Just willingly, openly sharing, okay? And a huge deal on these. And uh, so now we get to the point, well, what if we disagree? So we've just built a relationship that's got me alone with my God. It's got me with my spouse. There's a lot of sharing going on, okay? That's good. That's the starting point. Now, what if we disagree? Here's where submission really starts to come to bear. So here's four steps to submission in the midst of disagreement. Are you ready? Number one, pray. Ladies, I am telling you, time on your knees, time before your God, gut checking what you want, gut checking what you're looking for in the relationship, calling for God to be a part of this thing, pray. Spend time with him and hear from him, all right? So prayerful approach to your king. That's the first step. Second, again, discuss openly. You're bringing it back up. You're like, hey, hang on. I'm not seeing it that way. What am I missing? 
And can you help me understand what you're thinking? Because here's what I'm thinking. And you're, there's this open discussion that's beginning again. All right? A chance to walk it through a second time over. So prayer, discuss openly again. Those are the first two points. Third, all right, are the positions being taken sin or are they preference? Sin or preference? Okay, you know the difference, right? Like all too often we want to make everything sin. If you don't want what I want, it's sin, right? That's convenient. It's like, well, I wanted to go to Chick-fil-A. You don't want to go to Chick-fil-A? Sinner! It's, that's a little aggressive, right? And uh, preference. Let's make sure we understand the difference. And we can talk it out. Preference. And is, are they just wanting one thing and I'm just wanting another right now and we have to work this out? Is it sin or is it preference? All right? Make sure you get down to that and you can really figure it out. And uh, if they're calling you to do things that God would not have you do, it's done, man. All right? That's a big deal moment to get to the clarity of it. And uh, he's asking me to hurt someone. He's asking me to be untruthful. And uh, he's asking me to be uh, disrespectful to whoever. And these are big deal problems. That's a no. Not needing to submit there. Okay? And, uh, but if it's preference, then what do we do? Step four. So it's pray, discuss openly. Is it sin or preference? Now step four. Uh, if it's still a disagreement... And his position is not sin. Well, then it's time to say, I'm going to let him lead. Let him lead. All right? That's a big deal moment. Because emotions are stirred, and there's something you want, and you've been talking it out, and it may not head that way. Let him lead. And uh, if it's preference, you've heard me categorize that a number of times now, right? So let me just say this now. Guys, if you're looking to throw down the trump card every single time you talk, well, I'm the head of the house, this is what I want, and it's preference, so we're going my way. If every time you're throwing the ace of spades trump card down, bam, we're going my way, we got a problem, dude. Like you're missing the oneness plan here, and you're not trying to shape together with your spouse. So I always say it this way, right? There's a blue circle, what the guys want. And there's the pink circle, what the lady would want. And then when you come together, there's an overlapping of those. Can you picture two circles overlapping, right? And so you've got that kind of football shape right in the middle where the two circles overlap. And pink over blue makes, and where purple is, is where you're headed. I'm targeting trying to find those spots where we agree and we can go after it. There may be a time where I need to call something in the blue. It's strictly something I would go after, but that should be the rare the unique throughout the year. Otherwise, you are creating a marriage where they have to be you. Make sure you're working after the together in this, where are we headed, okay? Huge deal, guys. And uh, otherwise, you're gonna bust the spirit. You're gonna break the spirit of your spouse. Be very careful in that. And so you're looking to target the oneness together. There might be a time you need to call it. It's a preference call, but you really are seeing something. And so you're calling that out. Ladies, that's the moment as they're calling out preference in their position that you need to let them lead. Biblical submission. Does that make sense? That was the smallest yes I've ever heard. Does that make sense? All right, that's where we're headed. 
So wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Christ is the head of the church. He has sacrificed for us. He has given for us. He has come when we did not deserve. He has poured it on. Huge deal. And uh, it says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit um, in most things. Is that what it says? In everything to their husbands. And uh, make sure you're walking through this plan. Okay, four-step process. It doesn't mean you lose your thought in it. It does mean you get to share into it and you're looking for how to agree on it, okay? And if there just is not an agreement, but there's a preference on his side, then you're letting him lead. All right, ladies? That's where we're headed. So that said, um, I'll just say this. There was a woman speaking at a conference and uh, she said, all right, ladies, it was a women's conference. She said, how many of you would like to mother your husband? How many of you like doing that? You would like to go after that? And one lady in the back raised her hand. She's like, really? You would like to mother your husband? She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said smother. <laughs> Just lightening it up a little bit. Reality is relationships are tough. And getting along takes some time and some effort and some praying together and respecting each other along the way. Let's make sure that we understand that God's put some structure into the home with the husband as the head of the wife. You know what that means? He's ultimately responsible for everything that happens in the home. He stands before God to give answer for that. Understand that? It's a huge moment. He stands before God to give answer for what happens in your home. Help him lead well, okay? And by the way, I'll just throw this in. In Genesis 3, Eve bites the apple. World does not collapse. Eve hands the apple over. Adam bites the apple. God says, because of the sin of Adam, this world is now in sin. Headship, man. I'm just telling you there is a huge responsibility to headship. And guys, we need to be running our home in a way that honors our God and brings holiness to bear. May Christ be glorified. Okay? All right. So simple question. How are you doing in the submitting, ladies? How are you doing in letting God be the head of your home through your husband who is the head of the home? And guys, how are you doing at helping that along the way by not crushing them and working with them? All right? Number two. Uh, B here. Husbands, as head of the house, sacrificially love and protect your wife. As head of the house, sacrificially love and protect your wife. So we'll jump in here. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here we go again. It says, husbands, love your wives. I don't know. Is that a cultural thing? Maybe it's just something that needed to be done back then and it worked out pragmatically and it doesn't need to happen today and maybe that doesn't need to happen either culturally. And look again, what's the reason he says for it? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Theological statement. Are you hearing me? So guys, this is our call. It does not change. I don't care what culture says. Our responsibility is to go hard after loving on our wives with all we've got. Ladies, if you are dating or engaged, 
You are looking for a guy who understands who Jesus Christ is. You are looking for a guy who loves on Christ with all he's got, and he knows how to love you. That's what you're looking for. If he can't get that down, move on. Let me say that stronger. If he can't get that down, move on. And all of the fathers in the room said, (laughs) I'm just telling you, man, we love you too much. Make sure you're finding a guy who loves Jesus Christ and is willing to bring that into the home. That's what it looks like. And it says, uh, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, love like that. Love sacrificially. Love in a way where, yes, it costs you, guys. Yes, it costs you. And no, they're not in the right. And it still costs you. And so be it. That kind of love. That's Jesus Christ with us, right? As he's like, I'm just telling you, every one of them has completely walked away from me. And I will go to my knees for them. I will humble myself. I will come in. I will take on death and the cross. I will carry a burden that is not mine to carry. Why? I love you. As Christ loved the church with all sacrifice. Man, guys, that's the call into your home. Sacrificial love. And a huge deal. And uh, So how do we love? What's our purpose in love? Well, he says right here. He gives us a few statements. First purpose, that he might sanctify her. What? Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to love so that they'd like feel the warmth. I thought we were supposed to love so they'd be like happy. Isn't that what we're going after? Well... Christ's first step, sanctification. Helping bring them along in their love of Jesus Christ and their holiness before him. Ushering in for them an opportunity to worship their God. That's your job, guys. The biggest love you can bring into your home is bringing them right to Jesus Christ and loving on him with them. That they might find out who Christ is. Sanctifier having uh, cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Hear that? With the word. Not with your words, right? All too often we go into sanctify. I'm sanctifying my spouse, man. And so I'm just going to tell them everything that's wrong with them. And uh, my words, and uh, you bother me here, and you bother me here. If they get these right, they'll be sanctified, right? And we just try to go after them, and that's not love. Right? That's actually attacking, and you're just trying to make your life comfortable. And uh, notice it says, with the word, God's word. As you're letting his word pour into your life, and you're bringing it to your family, and as a family, you're going after his word. And what does it say, and how do we worship, and how do we go after, and this is where we're going. And guys, you love into your family as you love on your God and bring in his word. Huge deal. Right, It says that he might sanctify, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, purpose statement, he might present the church to himself in splendor, perfection, awesomeness, glory, growth, Christ glorified. That's what Christ's doing with you and with me. It says, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way. Husbands should love their wives as their own body. 
Go after this possibility, this opportunity. Don't put, hear me now, every guy listening, you ready? It is not should, knife in the back. You should do this. You should do this. You should, are you hearing that? That is a horrible motivator. Shame and guilt get somebody moving for a second, not a lifetime. Opportunity. Can you see what God is doing? Do you see who he is? Look what he's saying in his word. Honey, we could go after this together. Look what this could be. Opportunity out in front, man, that motivates, that inspires, that stirs up, and people start running after that. May that be how we lead. Man, and I am passionate about that from the front here. We do not run around with the word should. Knife in the back that gets you moving for about 20 seconds. It is opportunity. Look at who your Savior is. And look at what he's doing. And can you imagine if God could do this in our lives? And that's what it looks like. Guys, love on your wife as you introduce them to Christ, as you passionately follow Christ, as you pursue holiness into your home and love on them. And uh, it says, like their own bodies. And uh, hear me and laugh with them and have a good time and enjoy together, all right? It's not about no enjoyment, right? But it's about making sure that in the midst of it, our God is glorified and holiness is center stage and sanctification is the goal. And man, along the way, take those breaks, breathe deep, enjoy in your family. It says, as you would take care of your own body. And uh, we take care of some moments, right? Yesterday was some awesome sunshine and just getting outside and getting a little bit of sun and relaxation, even if you're working a little bit or maybe you're just laying down. But you're taking a little bit of a break and getting some sun and Hey, that's how we take care of ourselves. And husbands, love your wives with balance like that, making sure you're bringing the whole of it in, not just always driving. There's times we're relaxing. He who loves his wife loves himself, all right? So I'm just going to write this down. Eight ways that you can sacrificially love your wife. Eight ways you can sacrificially love your wife. Here we go, guys. Number one, cover Pray with her and for her. Cover. Pray with her and for her. Um, I'll just be real. Re I'm going to be very real with you through this list, all right? So I'm working on number one. I pray for a lot. We pray with sometimes. And uh, we'll work on the with more. Fair? Yeah, she loves when I preach on marriage. <laughs> Cover. Number two, partner. Support her in her interests. Partner. See, often, guys, we think of partnering. Ah, I have her come along with me when I do my stuff. Partnering. And uh, that can be partnering. It's cool. Jonna came hunting with me once. Once. In 22 years, once. And, uh, but you know what? Jonna loves to do some things as well, and we get after those things together. And uh, whatever that might be. And, uh, you know, last night, went for a walk and just enjoyed the weather. And um, whatever that can be together, all right? Partner, support her and her needs. Uh, cover, partner, care, number three, care. Undivided attention. Dude, when she is telling you how things are going and how she feels, put down the newspaper, the iPad, the computer, the remote, shut the TV off, time to listen. Care. 
totally quiet in here. <laughs> Care. That's a very real moment where you're hearing from her and you're spending time prioritizing what she has to say. All right? And uh, by the way, that uh, I'll say it in a little bit. I'm going to get off. Cover partner care. Communicate. Speaker language. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. In fact, there's some ways you can really go wrong with this, but have you heard of the five love languages? All right, I'm going to walk them real quickly with you. There are some things that are very wrong with the five love languages. It becomes very self-serving. Be careful with that. But it does help us understand how people speak and listen to hear what love is. And so here we go, the five love languages under communicate. Uh, time, quality time. Like, I, I love to spend time together. I don't care what we're doing just as long as we're together. Some people feel very loved when that's going on. Time, okay? Uh, touch, like a back rub or playing with their hair. This is not that uh, sexual touch. This is just taking care of them like a back rub or playing with your hair. I promised my wife she's going to teach me how to play with her hair today. <laughs> I played with her hair on Friday. Apparently it was abusive, so... Bear? <laughs> touch. It's, uh, it's not mine. And uh, time touch. Uh, gifts. You know, this is the kind where you may bring something that's like a dollar or whatever. It's not like these big monster. I bought you a new car. It's not that. Those are nice, but not that. It's like I bought you something from the airport as I was traveling through or whatever. If they love gifts, you're buying something small just to say I was thinking of you while I was away. Gifts. Some people love that. And uh, and. The next one, words of affirmation. Nice job. Way to go. I love you. You were awesome when you, man, that was so cool how you, encouragement. Some people thrive on that. They feel deeply loved by that. And uh, acts of service is the last one. While you were away, I did these things for you. Things you would have normally needed to do, I did them for you. Acts of service. All right? Here's the problem. You have a primary or maybe even a couple uh, that you speak the most. Like, this is how I feel really loved, and your spouse does. And if they don't match, it's going to go kind of sideways. Like, baby, while you were gone, I washed the dishes for you. I did that for you. Like, wasn't that awesome? And I love you. And, right? And they're like, you didn't play with my hair well. <laughs> Hypothetically. And, uh, right? And you're like, what? Come on, man. Look at the dishes I did for you. And look at that. And all of a sudden, it's like, you don't listen when I, oh, you want so much more. And, it, and all of a sudden, the fighting is no longer about I love you. It's now you're selfish. But it's actually just a different love language. And be very careful with that, all right? I don't want to get too deep into it because you can certainly misuse that whole topic. But it certainly is helpful as well. Uh, make sure you've got it. So cover, partner, care, communicate. Number five, remember, touch base while you're at work, guys. Have one moment in your day where you give a call to say, I was thinking about you. And uh, you may be a compartmental kind of guy. That's me. And I went to work and I was at work. And then when I came home, I was at home. And uh, she needed to know I was thinking about her throughout the day. So I made a compartment during my day that was while I'm at work, call my wife. <laughs> And uh, right after lunch, I would call her and say, just thinking about you, or now the texting is around, that's made it a lot easier, and I can text and send some over, just say, hey, thinking about you, love you, how you doing, whatever. But connect, man. Connect a little bit throughout the day, let them know you're remembering them. Uh, number six, enjoy. Take time to get out on dates. You know what a date is? 
That's where you're not talking about little Billy and what you need to do to fix their life. And you're not talking about the money issue or you're not talking about the whatever. This is where you're getting away and you're just relaxing together. You're laughing, you're enjoying the breeze, you're enjoying the food. Get out on a date. Enjoy time together. Value that time together, all right? Uh, number seven, protect, have her back, period. Have her back. And uh, this is like, I'm, a, I'm kind of a truth guy, all right? I'll just be real. And so it's easy for me to go, well, I mean, they're upset with you. Did you do something wrong? That's a bad moment. That's a really bad moment. And like, baby, I'm with you, and I love you, and I've got your back, and whatever goes down, we're going to work through this together. I've got you. And that's a huge deal. Now, we might need to work on something, but I've got your back. You are there to protect, guys. That's a part of the love. Protect well. Do not turn on them any moment you hear of, an, of something going on. All right? So cover, by the way, guys, I'm seeing a lot of ladies' heads nodding in here. So take good lists, all right? Cover, partner, care, communicate. Some of you are like, dang, give me a pen. Uh, I'm, I'm watching. Cover, partner, care, communicate, remember, enjoy, protect, and the last one, share. Radical transparency. This is from you to her, radical transparency. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm wrestling with. Here's where I'm sinning. Are you hearing me, guys? Set the tone and pace. Radical transparency. You sharing out with your spouse. Here's some things going on, and I just want you to know, baby, and I'm praying in this area for some growth, and are you hearing me? There's a huge sense of together in that, and work that out together. All right. So, guys, you're praying with them, cover. You're partnering with them, supporting them. You're caring for them, undivided attention. You're communicating as you learn their language and start speaking it. Have a lot of talk on that one, what really feeds the most into you. And uh, you're remembering, uh, call them throughout the day. You're enjoying date night. You're protecting as you have their back and you're sharing with radical transparency. Guys, a lot of people get headship. A lot of, a lot of guys get headship but they do not get sacrifice. And that's a train wreck of a marriage. A lot of guys get the, I'm in charge. But what they don't understand, in order to sacrifice, as Jesus Christ loved the church, so I'm to love you. And time to lay it down. May God be glorified. Guys, you want to worship your Savior more? You start serving into your home, you will get such a view of your Savior amazing worship will start coming as you're like, seriously, when we were this moronic with you, you loved me, Christ? Seriously. And like, it gets hard, man. It takes it out of you. And you start pouring into them anyway. And you start learning of Jesus Christ and his heart for his people. Man, love sacrificially. It'll change your home. All right? It'll change your home. And, uh, now I'm going to go off for a second. Guys, you ready? Guys, you set the tone for your home. We have just talked about wives and husbands, but I'm telling you, husbands, hear me on this. So as you lead, that's how your home goes. And uh, do not be complaining about how the home is. Time to address it. 
with love and with passion, with a goal of his word at the center, with Christ glorified. You lead that home and you will see God shape hearts and warm them up and bring them right in line with who Christ is. They will be thrilled to worship a king who has someone under that is caring for him like this. I'm telling you, that's your call, guys. You love with all you've got. And you watch that marriage erupt into so much happiness. And uh, right now, some of you have the deer in the headlights look. So here's my request. Grab one thing. What one thing are you going after that you could bring into the home that will warm it up and put Christ first? What could you go after, guys? Think about it and get after it. And uh, maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's praying with her cover or figuring out some of her interests and going after and supporting that. Or maybe it's more undivided attention, putting down the laptop and the phone and the remote. And, uh, maybe it's learning her language and figuring out how to speak it or calling her throughout the day. Maybe it's planning a date night where you get together and you just laugh together. And, uh, maybe you have her back for the first time in your entire marriage. Time to have her back and protect her, and share with her where you're struggling. Pick one, maybe two, and go after it in your home, and watch God work, all right? Okay, last. Now Paul goes back, and he gets to both. He says, wives and husbands, live out the mystery of oneness with love and respect. Wives and husbands, live out the uh, oneness with love and respect. And uh, so he says here, um, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Remember this verse from last week? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, right, and shall hold fast, and they shall become one flesh. And uh, if you did not, if you were not here last week, get that message, man. Download it and listen to it. We walk through what does it mean biblically from Genesis 2. We're not going to go into it here other than it says, they shall become one flesh. Not they shall become the guy. Everybody say, not that. Not the one flesh meaning, hey, we're going to act like the guy. Or not just the girl. We're just going to act like her now. It's not one of us gets to dominate and the other one has to be quiet. It's not that. It's the two of us together, partnering together, and we're moving forward together. Time to work it out, all right? Huge deal. And uh, this mystery is profound. You know what that means? This is heavy lifting, man. That's what this means. This means there's times where you're going to need to learn to be able to laugh at yourselves because you're not getting it well. It's not crisis time. It is a profound mystery how oneness occurs. Time for us to work with our God and let him teach us some things. And as some of you in here right now are hurting so deeply because of a marriage that is train wrecking. And here's my request. Set it down before your Savior and watch God do an amazing work in your life. I'm telling you, he is going to rock your world as you just take your responsibility and move forward with it, all right? Here's the last piece he says. Let each one of you, uh, well, let me not skip it. The mystery is profound. I am saying this, that it refers to Christ and the church. 
Now let me refer to the marriage. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love and respect. There's a book out there called Love and Respect. It's well written. I'm just going to throw two of the uh, things up real fast. Let's throw the first one up. This is called The Crazy Cycle. This is guys are built to be respected. Ladies are built to be cherished. All right? And as we love well, the woman is like matured and grown up. And as she respects well, the guy is like matured and great things happen. And then when we don't, this is what happens. Uh, without respect, well, he reacts. The guy gets a little sideways and he starts getting rough and there's less cherishing going on, less valuing going on. And without the love that he's holding back, she now reacts and there's less respect and the whole thing starts diving down, okay? It just collapses and it's very simple. Both parties, they've said, if you don't, then I won't. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. That does not get it done in the marriage, all right? So here's the next one. This is right out of the love and respect stuff. This is called the energizing cycle. You show respect, ladies, no matter what's going on on the cherishing side. Guys, you cherish no matter what's going on on the respect side. It doesn't matter what they're doing. I stand before my God, and this is my call. And here's what I'm going to do. And this week, yep, my wife is not respecting. I will love on her like never before. I am going to cherish like never before. I'm taking on a few things. I'm praying this before God. I'm even going to sit with her and ask her what she'd like to see here. She's going to tell you she wants you to play with her hair, just so you know. And uh, we're going to do some things. We're going to figure it out. You're going to talk through some things, and you may have some rough talk to do. Do some of that. And hear me on this, guys. You'll set the tone, the cherishing piece. And ladies, well, I have a guy who's not willing to do that. Now what? God has called us to some pretty clear steps, and if we're respecting in the midst, no matter what, ladies, God will do a huge work in your life. Hearing me on that? The goal here is not to try to change him in your life. And uh, just going to throw this out here. We're going to get to it later in the time, but 1 Peter 3, ladies, if you're looking for a passage to wrestle with, that's your passage. If you're like, he's not doing his thing, what do I do? We're going to get to that in due time. All right, that's a lot of info. That's the spiritual level of interaction. My God will be glorified, gospel deep, Jesus Christ lifted up through the husband as the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And as the church, we will love and cherish back in, okay? That's the plan. And uh, everybody got it? All right, let's go after that hard this week. Now hear me. The moment we say we're working on marriage, what do you think Satan's saying? Watch yourselves. It's going to get hot. And we're going to take this on, and we all get it. Everybody gets it's going to get hot, right? Just say it's going to get hot. So we're going to love each other and care for each other, right? Here we go. Love and respect. Let's put this thing together and watch God glorified. And all of God's people said...